Welcome to the Pathlight Ministries podcast. We're glad you've chosen to study God's Word with us. I'm Pastor Chip Anthony, and here's today's message. Last week I shared with you uh, my sort of interesting gift relationship with Haley's grandmother, Mimi, and uh, I mentioned that Mimi gave me a ridiculous hat uh, a couple of years ago, and a couple of people challenged me that that the hat was probably not as bad as I made the hat seem. And so this morning I've, I've brought um, the hat, and uh, this is it. Now, I want to say this, that sometimes I am deceptively um, small, which is to say that people think that I'm much larger than I actually am. Um, I'm, I'm 6'1", between 6'1", 6'2", right? And, and sometimes people will overestimate how, how large I, I am. And I think that that's particularly true when it comes to the size of my head, apparently, because this is the hat that Mimi made me. <laughs> and some of you would say, well, that hat looks great. In fact, some, Michael, you know, you might would say it looks OBKB, um, that being Mushmouth from Fat Albert. Uh, and then the other, and then somebody has said, well, you're wearing it wrong. You're supposed to pull it up on your head more. And then it does this. And I look like I'm about to go to the mine singing, hi-ho. So there's really no good way for me to wear this hat. And I don't think there ever will be. But some of you challenged me on that. So is there anybody who still holds out hope for this? No. Okay, good. Uh, (coughs) Nobody still thinks that this hat is anything but ridiculous. Uh, This morning, I want to talk, I want to continue our, our discussion of having a thankful Heart, And I want to talk about how it is that we can grow a thankful heart because some of us have a thankful heart, some of us don't, and those of us who don't have a thankful heart, and maybe you, you really want to, in fact, I, I would hope that, you all, that we all want to have a heart that is thankful, that we want to live in such a way that we just daily express gratitude, just as sort of the outpouring of God's love for us, that it just naturally comes out of us. <clears throat> and so this morning I want to talk about how it is that we can have how we can grow a more thankful heart. And the first way that I want to talk about growing a thankful heart is that we have to use our eyes. Now, most of the times we just sort of passively have eyes. Most of the time we just kind of look around and we just see what's in front of us. When I talk about using our eyes, I mean specifically to be careful about what it is that we see, what it is that we are looking for. Uh, We said a couple of years ago when we talked about uh, wealth and how it is that we can feel wealthy even if we don't necessarily aren't particularly wealthy in the eyes of our culture. We said that, um, that nothing fuels our discontentment more than awareness. Which, is, which means, you know, if you see that your neighbor has a new car, suddenly your car gets a lot older. Right? If you see that your neighbor, you know, they paint their house, then your paint suddenly looks a lot worse than it did the day before. Our, what we see fuels our discontentment. And the, the opposite side of that is true as well. That if we're focusing on what other people don't have, it fuels our contentment. When we focus on people that don't have, when we focus on people who have genuine needs then it makes us much more content with what we have. It makes us much more grateful for what we've been given, and, and it builds a heart that is thankful. Philippians <coughs> 2 4 expresses it this way. It says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, we live in a culture that's a very mind your own business kind of culture. Like, in fact, 
we say that to my daughter. My daughter is two and a half years older than my son, and she feels that that entitles her to be mom number two. And so he, he'll do something that he probably shouldn't be doing, and rather than tell us, she just wants to correct him, wants to spank him, really wants to be able to send him to timeout. She really hopes that one day that'll be part of the job description. We keep telling her, you're not his mom. Take care of you. Mind your own business. And in some ways that, yeah, she has to, but in, in a very real way, she's doing what's right. Because she's not just looking for our own interests. She's looking out for his interests. The problem that we have with her is that it's, she never does it at the right time. Right? Like, right, like he can, like, he'll, like, want to climb up on top of the refrigerator and jump off. And she's like, yeah, let me get the camera, see what happens. Right? <laughs> You know, but, you know, he, he plays with Play-Doh when it's not Play-Doh time and she's going to run and tell us, right? She's interested in getting him in trouble, but not so much in protecting him because she thinks that'll, you know, probably get a thousand hits on YouTube, him breaking a leg off the refrigerator, right? <coughs> so she's not really looking to his interests yet, but we're supposed to, we're, we're older than that. We're, we're more mature than that. We're, as believers, we understand that it's not just that we're supposed to be thinking about ourselves. We're supposed to be looking out for others. And and this is given as a, as a command in Philippians because it isn't natural. It isn't of, of sort of our own natural man, our own natural thinking to think, I need to watch out for someone else. It's natural thinking to think, I need to watch out for me and I need to watch out for mine. It's not natural to think, I need to look out for people that aren't mine. See, part of this is that the mindset of Christ is that they're all his is that we're all God's children. Some of us know it and some of us don't. But it's our responsibility not just to look out for the people that know it, who are like our church family, but people that don't know it. And so we have this burden placed on us to look out for their interests. So these so poor, hurting people around the world, they're, they're suddenly a burden on us. And they're supposed to be. And we're supposed to look not just to our interests, but to theirs. And when we see what they don't have, it helps us become content with what we have. But more than that, it helps us almost become with discontent with how much we have. Suddenly, when we become really aware of how much we have and how much they don't have, we want to get rid of some of what we have so that they can have more. Which I know makes me sound like I'm not a capitalist. I really am. But I also believe in charity in the, in the Christian sense of it. And that we understand that when we see what people don't have. In fact, I mentioned the angel tree earlier. <coughs> when, when we first got those angel tree um, cards, when we were looking through those, those pieces of paper, um, Haley was reading them to me. Talk about a depressing dinner, right? A horrible dinner conversation. She's reading, this little girl wants this, and this boy wants this. And, this. and she came across one. She's like, this little boy is 10 years old. He wears a size 12 shoe. And I said, oh, that poor kid. Right, like I was, I wore a size 12 shoe when I was 10 years old. She's like, extra large pants, yeah. Extra large shirt, yeah, that's me. And then she said, and the number one thing he wants for Christmas is underwear. Oh, man. I put down my fork. I'm like, I can't even eat. Why have you done this to me, Haley? Right? Because suddenly, suddenly, I didn't care nearly as much about what I was going to get my kids for Christmas as what I was going to get somebody else's kid for Christmas. Right? Because I realized how much my kids have. I realized how much I had. And I became discontent with how much I had. And I wanted to do more. So if we're going to have a heart that's really thankful, 
first thing we've got to do is we've got to use our eyes. Not just passively see the world, but look out how we want to see the world. Do we want to see the world and see us as impoverished? Do we want to see ourselves as poor? Or do we want to see ourselves as how, for how rich we really are? So we have to use our eyes. Second, we have to use our ears. <coughs> what is it that you listen to? And maybe not what you listen to, but in some cases what, but even maybe more specifically, who is it that you're listening to? Who, who is it whose, whose voice is ringing in your ears? Sometimes we work with people and we don't really have a choice but have to listen to them. We have a, uh, Michael and I have a friend who he uh, does electrical work and his boss has stuck him with uh, a guy who's, what is he, 19 or 20 years old and he bugs our friend so much because all he does is talks about boozing and using women and he just it all and, my, and he's just like all day long and so our, our friend has started listening to books on tape so every time they get into the truck he's like Shh, i'm at a good part he put in the book on tape so the guy can't talk right and, and i'll say this i had to commend him because he's choosing what he listens to he didn't have a choice about who he listened to at first but now he's choosing not to listen to him Right? He's tried to share the gospel with him. He's tried to tell him, listen, the path you're on. He's, he's done it and he's done it and he's done it until the guy doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And my encouragement was, hey, keep spreading the gospel to this kid until he requests to be put on a different truck. Right? But that probably won't happen. <coughs> probably shouldn't use the gospel that way. But we have to be careful who it is that we're listening to. Galatians chapter 1 says, it, says this. It says, but even if we are, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you in the past, let him be accursed. He says, if you hear something different than the gospel that you know is true, if you hear something different than the gospel that you've already heard, the person who's preaching it should be accursed. And you shouldn't listen to it. Sometimes we'll listen to some people, and maybe they're not Maybe they're not saying that it's the gospel. But if you hear something long enough, it sort of starts to sink its way into your mind. <coughs> recently, in fact, not even recently, I guess probably for the last 10 or 15 years, have you noticed that the news has stopped being the news, and it's sort of started being its own sort of form of entertainment? That we don't just have news reporters, but that we have these like news analysts that they don't just tell us what happened, but they tell us how to think about what happened. I, I just, and then there's even this, there's a show on, uh, a couple shows on the comedy network where they tell us what to think about what happened and they do it in a humorous way so that we laugh at the things that happened. And I'm just, and, and the Bible has a word for these people and the word scoffers, that they don't, that they're not actually engaged, but they're, they're sitting back and they're mocking and, and we have the left is mocking the right, and the right's mocking the left, and everybody's mocking each other. And there's, it seems like there's no room for a civilized discussion about what's best for our country anymore. Well, that's the thing is that if that's all we listen to, then that's what we're going to think about. Then those thoughts are going to work their way into our minds. And it's that way with everything. And so we have to be careful. We have to choose what it is that we listen to. And it's <coughs> that this past this past week, my nephew, um, he's what, 12, 13 years old. He sent a message on Facebook to my mother saying, Mina, I just saw the first advertisements for the Hallmark Christmas specials. And apparently he and my mom really like Hallmark movies. Do y'all like Hallmark movies? Okay. Then I'll be careful on how I make fun of them. Um, I... I I don't, I'm not a big fan. I'll just say, I'm not a big fan of the Hallmark Christmas movie. And so when I saw that he posted that, I posted back. I said, 
man, I sure hope that fill-in-the-blank character makes it back through the snowstorm in time to spend Christmas with fill-in-the-blank character, and I hope that he arrives with the fill-in-the-blank puppy or baby in time. And Heath was like, there's no, I've never seen a movie with that plot. And so I may, and, and you guys are laughing because you know you've seen a movie with that plot. I'm like, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, Home for Christmas, I'll be home for Christmas, Road to Christmas, Pathway to Christmas, Christmas. I mean, I've probably named 15 or 20 movies that all have that plot. And I say, and all of these movies star Dean Kane. I don't know why that is. But, <clears throat> um, and I said, my real, and he's like, what do you have against Hallmark movies? I said, here's the problem I have against Hallmark movies in any Christmas movie is that it makes it seem like the point of Christmas. Christmas is to be with family. That's not the point of Christmas. It makes it seem like the point of the birth of Jesus Christ was so that we are supposed to get together with family. And that's not the point of Christmas. See, the message of the gospel is that, that God sent his son to earth to save us all, not to give us an excuse to see our uncles. Amen. And no, now, don't, don't take that as me saying don't watch Hallmark Christmas movies. They're really, they're wonderful and delightful. Go right ahead and watch them. But don't be deceived as to what the true meaning of Christmas is. And don't let those thoughts invade your mind so much that you believe a gospel, that you believe a good news other than the single good news. If we're going to be thankful, if we're going to have a thankful heart, we have to believe what we've heard. Not necessarily what we're constantly hearing from the culture, but what we have heard from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to not only use our eyes and not only use our ears, we have to use our minds. And the question that <coughs> comes along with this is, what have you been thinking about this week? Probably some of you have been thinking about traveling for Thanksgiving. You've been thinking about maybe Christmas lists, gifts, things that you're going to get for people. I, I don't know. I don't know what you've been thinking about. Sometimes people will put on Facebook things that they're thinking about, and I get really disturbed sometimes by the things that people are thinking about. But what are you thinking about? What are the things that are in your mind Maybe they've been brought there by what you see. Maybe they've been brought there by what you hear. But at a certain point, it's not about what you've seen and what you've heard. At a certain point, you're accountable for what you let rattle around in your brain. So what is, the, what is it that we're thinking about? Philippians 4.8 says it this way. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. <coughs> that is, as you read that, you probably thought, well, that is a really big run-on sentence. And yeah, it kind of is. But more than it's a run-on sentence, it's a perfect sentence. And it is a perfect sentiment for how it is that we are supposed to filter our brains. That if we have things in our mind that aren't true and honorable and lovely or commendable, if we have things that, uh, that aren't worthy of excellence or worthy of praise, we shouldn't be thinking about those things. But, and we do. We do. Because we live in this world... And because we can't constantly filter out what we see, we can't constantly filter out what we hear, sometimes those things get into our minds. And it's up to us to eliminate those thoughts from our minds after they've, they've snuck their way in to our eyes and ears. Sometimes, um, <coughs> if you've ever watched a, a movie on TBS, in fact, my, we've talked about this before, some of us, um, sometimes you'll see a movie on TBS and... Uh, especially if it's a movie like Die Hard or some action movies where there's sometimes really bad language in it, um, they will, instead of just bleeping out and having a silent space, they will try to put in different words to cover up the swear word. And sometimes I wish that I had like TBS earphones, right? Like a T TBS earphone filter 
so that anytime I was like walking through the store or walking through the schools, that like everything that people said just automatically filtered into something that was a little bit more pleasant to my ears. And maybe like even like TBS blinders so that I just don't have to necessarily see people walking through Walmart, you know, or whatever. You know, you know those people, right? I wish I had like those TBS blinders and suddenly they're fully clothed and, you know, they're treating each other kindly and decently, right? Or that maybe they're just not there at all, just completely edited out. It'd be nice if I had TBS goggles and TBS headphones, but until <coughs> that's a good invention for us to work on. Um, un- until somebody invents that, though, I can't control everything I see and I hear, but I can't control what I think about. And so, what I have to do, and what you have to do, is we have to be careful that we think about things that are true and lovely and pure and excellent. We think about things that are commendable. That we focus our thoughts on those things and not the others. And lastly, not only do we use our eyes and our ears and our minds. But at a certain point, we have to use our imaginations. At a certain point in our lives, we have to use our imaginations because sometimes you will look around and you will listen and you will see what is going on around you. You will be aware of the situation that you are in and you will have no way to think about the things that you see and hear and be thankful. There's sometimes you may be in a situation where you are dealing with such a staggering loss. Maybe you are dealing with such a deep depression. Maybe your life is in such a spot that you don't see any hope on any horizon. And in those instances, you can't, maybe you can't just filter out all of the bad. You have to use your imagination. In Ephesians chapter 3, it gives us a a good way to think on on this. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. This is a long passage, (coughs) but it's sort of all one thought, so I'm going to read it. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So he's saying, I'm thankful to God and I thank him every day for everyone who's on earth and for the riches of glory that he's given to you because he's given you these wonderful things. And it says that he may grant you strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend what all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge or surpasses all understanding, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And this is the last part. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's that last part that really sticks out to me. It says, who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And the thing is, is that God doesn't just know our situation. God doesn't just know what is happening for us. Sometimes we'll see movies <coughs> um, that will feature uh, dramatic irony, good English term there, whereas we know something that's happening and the people in the movie don't know what's happening or people who are in the play don't know what's happening. Like, for instance, we know in Romeo and Juliet, uh, spoiler alert if you've never read it, um, we know in Romeo and Juliet that she's just asleep 
right? She's just asleep, but Romeo doesn't know that, and so he gets all desperate and drastic about it. We know that she's just asleep, and he, he doesn't, and there's somebody on their way to tell them he, she's just asleep, but they don't get there in time. And it's, oh, it's so tragic, right? The thing is, is that in our current situation, God knows the person that's on their way to tell us that, that it's not as bad as it seems. God knows who is on their way to tell us that things aren't as hopeless as they seem. God knows the circumstance that's about to change. God knows what's happening, not just currently, things that we can't see, things that we're not hearing, but God knows our future. God knows our future. He knows the things that will happen to us. And he knows how those circumstances are going to change. <clears throat> and because of that, he puts us into situations. He allows us to be in situations that sometimes are, are desperate and horrible, but we're coming out of it because he has a plan for us. He has something else for us. And it's not just something that we can imagine, but it's beyond what we can imagine. Sometimes when we pray, we pray things like, God, if, if you'll just do this one thing, then, then you know, my life will be a little bit better. If you, could, if you could do this, then my life would be 15% better. My life would maybe even be, maybe be 50% better if you could just do this, this one thing. And the thing is that, that God doesn't want to just make our life 15 or, or 20 or 50% better, but he wants our lives to be completely better. He wants our lives to be much better than we can hope or, or imagine. <coughs> and so for that reason, um, our prayers are, are, are simply, God, do with me as you, as you desire to do with me. Let me be... Let me be one who glorifies and honors you with every aspect of my life. And so we have to use our imaginations to be thankful. Sometimes we just have to imagine that God is doing something. So it's important. This hat, um, ridiculous as it is, I, I just thought, uh, I thought about it as I was preparing for this sermon, um, how weird it would be if my head grew. Right? How weird would it be if my head grew to this point? Like, I, goodness, let me, I'm just, this afternoon I'm going to pray that God doesn't make that happen. Or maybe if I grew so much hair that I needed, that would, oh, that would be awesome. Right? If I needed, had so much hair that it could fill a hat like this, that would be pretty great too. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, is that Mimi made this hat for me basically just having no idea how big my head was. But God gives us gifts all the time. And he doesn't give them to us not having any idea of what it is that we actually need. He gives us gifts knowing exactly what we need, what we need now and what we'll need later. He knows how big our heads are going to get. He knows how all these things, right? And so it's on us to be thankful, to look around our world, to be thankful for the things that we have, to use our eyes to be thankful, to use our ears to be thankful, to use our minds and our imaginations to be thankful, to find a reason to be thankful to our Heavenly Father. This morning... You may not have a real reason to be thankful. You may not know exactly why it is that you should be thankful. But let me tell you, you should be. Because the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to this earth to deliver us from our sin. He has a, had a simple message for us. That he knows us, that he loves us, and he forgives us. Thank you for listening to Pathlight. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you and that you will be a blessing to others.